0: Welcome to Soundtrack
1: Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack.
0: Hi, I'm Ryan Pack, and this is Soundtrack Your Life. Thank you for listening wherever you are. You can follow us on Instagram at SoundtrackCast and on Twitter at Soundtrack underscore your. Today we have John from the But Life's But a Song podcast. And uh, Hello. Hey, John. Welcome Hi. to SoundtrackCast.
1: Thank you. Uh, and also, I should say it since uh, I don't know if your listeners know, but you were just on my podcast. You and Nicole were on my podcast to talk about the same topic, but in a different way.
0: Yeah, we're doing kind of a double feature with John. We're we're both covering School of Rock for both podcasts, and uh, it's a it's a movie that surprisingly has so much packed into it that you can do two separate episodes on it.
1: I mean, I haven't seen it prior to like us recording stuff for like a decade. It feels like maybe longer. So there, yes, there's a lot to unpack.
0: <laughs> so you can find Life Spot a song. On any podcast platform that you're finding this uh-huh. podcast, and I believe you have one more one more podcast, Sean.
1: I do. I have a um, another podcast called Movie Deja Vu with my co-host Shady. We compare similar movies by creating a verbal Venn diagram, or just like having a natural conversation, whatever we feel like that day. <laughs> you know how podcasts are. You just go with you grow, and you you have a set structure, and then you break it. And
0: uh, what is Life's What a Song about?
1: uh so it's a bi-weekly podcast where i bring on a different guest every episode and we talk about either a musical movie or musical tv show of their choice for the most part for the most part i should say <laughs> sometimes i'll announce be like this was my choice but majority of the uh majority of the episodes are my guests choice and i believe you picked yes, school because of rock
0: you're stupid and we don't Pick musical movies for musical podcasts.
1: That's fine. I mean, we also... We've d- I've done a bunch of episodes where we question what is a musical. And, like, I don't know if... I I think we decided that School of Rock is a movie with music rather than a musical right. movie.
0: But they're singing in it feels, so like, sense. close yeah.
1: enough. Right. Yes, yes, yes. But it's not like, you know... Uh, the songs in School of Rock, the mu- the movie, um, are are just too much. Like it's it, the scenes with, that the songs are in. It's not like it's too much that the people have to sing their emotions. It which is usually what a musical is. This is something where it's like music is very important to the story, and so I don't know. If I would call it a musical, but I would definitely say it's a movie about music.
0: But ironically, it was turned into a musical.
1: But ironically, yes. uh, Created by Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, who, um, you know, famously wrote Jesus Christ Superstar and Phantom of the Opera and Cats. And so at least we're like (laughs) in the ballpark of a musical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do like the music in this because, you know, who doesn't love rock and roll?
0: That's what they're making really? on. And,
1: and yeah, and there were some original songs in here, but for the most part, it was either them covering songs or like we heard snippets from the actual, right. like actual bands. If I'm reading this I am um, this Wikipedia page correctly. <laughs> so let's back
0: up. This is a 2003 Richard Linklater film.
1: Yeah, that also broke me a little bit when I realized it was him. Because <laughs> I'm so used to, like, boyhood. Before series. Or, um, you know... Yeah, the before series, where a lot of his stuff, he, he doesn't like old age. <laughs> he doesn't like old age makeup. So he, he does a lot of things like... In real time, like he's still doing, I mean, it's still on IMDb that he's still filming the Merrily We Roll Along movie, which is another musical, but that one involves the passage of time. And I believe he's filming it backwards because in the stage version, it starts in like a present day and then goes back in time. Wow. So,
0: Wait, didn't you say that he's shooting it like boyhood where it's like
1: yeah he's yes. Yeah. so like boyhood, if you really think about it, even though boyhood was filmed in what? like fourteen years or something like that, they only shot for like forty days total. So it's like a week here, two weeks there, every other every year or something. um, and so I would feel I think that's what he's doing with merrily, where it's like, you know, a week here, a week in twenty twenty, a week in twenty twenty two, you know, something like that.
0: But it's a musical this time.
1: But it's a, it's a musical. Yes. It's a, well, this, and this one's a real musical, not like School of Rock, which centers around music.
0: So in 14 years, Nicole and I will come back to your podcast to talk about that.
1: I am so ready. I think it has like a 20, I mean, it might be now like 10 years, but who knows? COVID did push a lot of things back. But Richard Linklater seems like somebody who'd be like, everyone wears masks except for the actors. (laughs) (laughs) For this one week. We gotta get it.
0: (laughs) Uh, So this is the second Linklater film that we've done for the podcast. First one being Dazed and
1: Confused. Uh, That has a great soundtrack. It does. The The Dazed and Confused one?
0: Yeah. Sold millions of records.
1: I mean link later knows music because boyhood you they use music to like delineate time and so he picks like he he curates i want to i don't want to say he picks he curates um great music like even in this one there's great music like there's the who there's led zeppelin there's um the Ramones and uh, and a bunch of other people on the soundtrack itself, but like in the movie, there's more. There's like they mention uh, like the Clash, ACDC dc Metallica, yeah. So he's got a he's got a good year. Assuming it's him that's actually picking the music, you know, what I mean? like he probably has final say on everything. But yeah, he's got a good year based on his filmography.
0: Yeah, I'm, and I think he's for some reason isn't like recognized like Tarantino or Wes Anderson is for their music.
1: No. And he should be. Yeah. You I heard agree. it here. You heard it on, on here. Soundtrack, your life. <laughs> Richard Lake later is a great curator of music yes. from his movies.
0: And, uh, you know, he works with good people. So on this film, he's worked with Randall poster. Randall poster is a music supervisor, uh, who's actually best known as being Wes Anderson's guy.
1: So when you say music supervisor, that's actually the one that picks the music. Like picks the songs or is are they like written into the script? So,
0: I mean, I think it, it like depends that? on the project, but I think I think famously like for Rushmore, Wes, An- uh, Wes Anderson wanted to use all Kink songs. Um I think that would have blown the budget way expensive so randall poster had to kind of go find songs that kind of fit the kinks vibe that were affordable
1: got it yeah so he so he's the one that was like hey this is a good song yeah you know like okay so for for example i'm just gonna pick a random song that appears in the in the movie so there's black shuck by the darkness so like this guy picked that song. You're saying
0: probably, uh,
1: probably. Yeah. I mean,
0: I think Jack and Link Ladder also had some say in some of the songs that were picked. So uh, I can't say for sure, but you know, Randall Poster might come to Richard Link and be like, "Hey, I think this might be a good song for for the scene." And Link Ladder would be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That's perfect."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's. Learn something new every day.
0: <laughs> I'd love to actually interview a music supervisor to kind of see like where that divide is like between like yeah. the director or it's, maybe the screenwriter. It's so,
1: it's so fascinating for m- movies like this where music is basically a character in a way. And it's like some people probably write it into the script because it is what the screenwriter is thinking of while they are writing, like, that scene. Uh, but I have a feeling, you know, when it comes down to rights and stuff, the music supervisor must be, like, like what you said about Rushmore, where it's like, uh, we can't get all Kink's music, but, like, yeah. <laughs> here's a, here's the same vibe.
0: <laughs> um, so I don't know if this is a flex on Randall Poster's part or if it's a budget-saving thing, but in the movie, there's a Stooges cover... Which is not from the actual band, but it's from like a, it's from the Velvet Goldmine soundtrack, which he also is the music supervisor of.
1: Fascinating. So it's like the
0: Wild Rats version of the Stooges song, which means it's actually Ian Mcgregor singing.
1: Wait, are you talking about TVI? Yeah,
0: TVI. So in the movie, yeah. they don't use the Stooges version. They use this Wild Rats version with Ian Mcgregor and like some of the guys from Sonic Youth. And I don't know if it's, like, him, like, hey, I can save us money by using this version that I had recorded for a different soundtrack, or if he was just, like, I'm motherfucking Randall Poster. Let's throw in a Velvet Goldmine reference.
1: Yeah, but, like, I'm looking on the track listing, and it's the Stooges version on the soundtrack. Right,
0: but in the movie, it's, like, not the Oh, station.
1: Okay. That's so wild that they got the rights for the soundtrack, but not the movie.
0: But it's like this like weird little, I don't know if it's like a flex, like look at how great I am. It's
1: gotta be, it's gotta be. I mean, you know, you gotta be creative and save some money when you create, when you, when you're making a movie. Cause you gotta, gotta allocate it somewhere else. Probably.
0: And so they could get that that song. So they get that whole Stevie Nicks song.
1: Oh, oh yes. I mean that I don't think I don't think any other song, but Edge of 17 would would have worked for that scene. Yeah. Cuz we're we're talking about the scene with um Joan Cusack when her and Jack Black get a little toasty, you know, little swasty pasty and she sings Edge of 17 while he's trying to like abuse power (laughs) in a way. Right. And like, you got that, that, uh, guitar line going and it's just so iconic that, I mean, they probably could find another song, but the way that it is right now, I, I think it's just, you know, chef's kiss. Perfect.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I can't imagine a different song being in that scene. either.
1: No. No, because it it kind of goes with her character, where she's so w- when we see, uh, we see Joan Cusack so buttoned up and everything, and then of course she's gonna love Stevie Nicks, <laughs> like that's her rebellious side,
0: right? And uh, I don't know. And then he the what, he he starts up the jukebox, and then he kind of does like the this like bird flapping motion while he's coming back to the table.
1: Oh my god, it's amazing. I mean. Uh, we talked about this where he he can be annoying. Hell, one of your co-hosts did not join my episode because she hates him. Correct. How dare she? But um, we will not name names. Uh, (laughs) But but, um, yeah, I mean, you go on a journey with that character where it's like, you know, you start by not liking him. And like, he's a bum and everything. And then he grows and you start to like, as an audience person, at least I did, I started to be like, okay, you're not super annoying, but you're still a little annoying.
0: You're just the right amount of annoying.
1: You're just the right amount where I can tolerate you. Yeah. Anymore. And I'll just have to turn this movie off.
0: (laughs) And I think Miranda Cosgrove's character is kind of like the barometer of like, okay, you're getting a little too annoying, so we're going to like mm-hmm. rein you back a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you're clearly supposed to be like the straight man of Miranda Cosgrove, but like you're also just a little... Like when she busted out memory, I was laughing. <laughs> Which, I mean, I wonder, I wonder now that we're, now that I just brought it up, I wonder if that's why... Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote the musical because they make a reference to him in the move in the original movie.
0: That would be hilarious. Maybe? So that would be a- hilarious.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if it's just
0: that easy, like oh, just like have a character sing a bit of a Andrew Lloyd Webber, like it's such a four D chess move. If that's how they got him to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Yes. Uh, oh my goodness. But I'm seeing also on the soundtrack that they have the songs from No Vacancy, the band that Jack Black starts with. Yeah. Um. I, I don't remember. Do you know if they wrote the or did some who wrote the, those songs?
0: Um. So for so for No Vacancy, there's two writers. The one at the beginning, which I think is a song called Fight. Yes. Um, that was written by Warren Fitzgerald, who I guess, I think he's most uh, best known for being in the Vandals.
1: I don't know this band, but cool. Uh, Good for him. So a punk
0: band from like the late 80s, early 90s, I believe. Okay. <laughs> but you know, punk rock guy. Which is weird because I don't think Fight sounds like a punk rock song.
1: No. that But that's like still rocking away yeah but i so
0: it's more of like a harder rock hmm um but anyways uh we're, we're just nitpicking here um and then, yeah. and then heal me i'm heartsick. the song that no vacancy plays <laughs> at, the, at the battle of the bands
1: it's so stupid <laughs> that was written
0: by uh craig wedren who um I've talked about on the podcast before Uh, he used to be in a band called shutter to think shutter to think has a song on the velvet goldmine soundtrack, which we covered. And he also wrote, um, you know, all the rock songs for a wet, hot American summer. So I feel like that's kind of right up his alley. I don't remember who said it, but in some interview when the movie came out, I believe he was told to write the song in the style of Creed. (laughs)
1: Ha, that, that song, man. I don't know why they would play a ballad for Battle of the Bands, but that's just my preference. You know, If it's like all these rock bands, why are you playing like a rock ballad? Why, not, why wouldn't you play like a more, I don't know, harder song? I don't know if that's the right words to say, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a more up-tempo up and...
0: like if People um, dancing, you know?
1: Yeah moving more like you know rhythmic moving they don't have to dance they just have to like flail around a little
0: yeah like go nuts <laughs> i i think it's i think kind of like the subtext of like him getting kicked out of that band is they're like being is they're super serious about like trying to like get signed so like <gasps> whatever they need to do let's go get the spider guy to play guitar let's let's figure out what's on the radio and let's try to sound like that. I think that's kind of like the underlying like arc for this band.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just to show like, you know, they can do it. But I don't know. I think I preferred um, the School of Rock song. The band The School of Rock. Not, or is that the name of the song? Wait. (laughs) It's both. It's both School of Rock by School of Rock cast. Got it. With the Mooney Suzuki? Who's that?
0: Uh, The Mooney Suzuki is a band that had a bunch of buzz around this time. I forget what the festival is called, but there's like in Austin a big... It's not CMJ. They have like a big like music festival that's kind of very like for industry people. Not South by Southwest. Yeah, South by Southwest. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. So at the time, I think Mooney Suzuki, like maybe a year earlier, I played South by Southwest and like blew the doors off the place. Like everyone was talking about them. So then they got them to write the song for the movie. And then when it came to the Mooney Suzuki, like going to release an album, like it totally tanked. <laughs> like I think when they got signed, it was basically like, hey, you should use all these uh, top pop songwriters to write with you guys. And they were like, um...
1: Um, that's not our brand, but okay. and, And
0: then it just kind of, they didn't
1: go anywhere. Uh, that's sad. But they were on, they're on the School of Rock soundtrack.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you have a pretty, I mean, even though they didn't make it big, you have a bunch of, like, outside songwriters writing these songs for... Both no vacancy and for the kids. Uh, also, Craig Wedren um, scored the movie as well. I know that there's a lot of soundtrack songs, so it kind of it's not like a big score heavy film, but he does the music. For
1: no, ones. and if it, and if it's anything, it might just be like guitar or something, or like in still in the same vein as like these bands that um, Jack Black's character tells the kids to listen to. But, like, for me, somebody who's not well-versed in 80s rock music, I don't think I would have picked up on the fact that it is not a real band as underscoring.
0: Right. It's not supposed to be, like, you're watching Star Wars and you're like, oh, this is, like, a really nice John Williams score. It's supposed to be, like...
1: Or Harry Potter or any... Yeah. I think if there is... Cause now I'm drawing a blank as to any moment where there is underscoring (laughs) cause you know, I'm just so used to them like playing and singing and all that and listening to, you know, real, uh, other bands recording. So if there is anything, I probably have to go back and listen, listen closer to the movie, but it's probably just something that is again, in the same like vibe as these rock bands that they're, referencing
0: yeah it's supposed to be very seamless
1: yeah it's interesting that they didn't even like contact him to potentially do the broadway show considering you know he worked on the movie <laughs> so i guess they wanted you know a broadway person to do the broadway show the musical not a music uh, a movie guy movie producer or well he's a movie composer
0: yeah he's a composer and songwriter
1: yeah it's a little weird (laughs) but but i will say though if you get a chance to listen to the musical they do have songs that were in the movie um i mean they reworked them a little bit but like it it, they go hard and then of course then then there's like the musical songs you know like musical theater and everything right but yeah
0: uh, do they have heal me i'm Heartsick? sick
1: i'm looking at it right now and no no so the song that no vacancy sings um is called i'm too hot for you which, which so,
0: kind of sounds more along the lines of what you thought they should play at the uh, Battle of the Bands I guess
1: I mean I ha- I also really haven't listened to this album in a while I'm no Bad John Bad John <laughs> so um, I can't say if it is I mean it's also a reprise because they sing it in act one so it's this it's actually the first song of the show oh. <laughs> wow go yeah, me yeah. go team Go team! Oh my god, I'm I am the worst guest. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no worries. I mean, we're not really covering the musical, but it's nice. It's uh, interesting to you know know the similarities and differences between the movie and what they
1: changed. Um, but the lyrics was by Glenn Slater, who um works a lot with uh musical theater composers um, on his uh, Wikipedia page. They mention Alan Menken, Christopher Lennerts and Andrew Lloyd Webber as like the ones that he primarily works for. So
0: go team. <laughs> yeah. And those are big names. Cause I actually recognize some of those.
1: Yes. Everyone should know Alan Menken. Like my God, if you're a, mul- if you're a millennial, <laughs> he,
0: does, he, he did all the he did, Disney he... movies, right?
1: He did, he did a lot of the, he did, did he, was he? He did Aladdin. He was was Aladdin. Yes. But like, yeah, he did, he did a lot. He, he said, he soundtracked your life. Boom. Done. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Can't argue that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean the, I, I don't know. I I said earlier that music is a character in this movie. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's almost what makes Jack Black's character like bearable at the beginning is like he knows good music.
1: Mhm. And especially when he assigns certain albums for the kids. It's like obviously he's tailoring, you know, what they need to listen to in order to succeed for the the fake school project that he's creating and lied to them about. (laughs) So, (laughs) so many layers with this movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. uh, It's a universe of its own where, where he can get away with this and he doesn't get arrested by the end of the film.
1: Surprisingly,
0: surprisingly. And for that matter.
1: He starts his own music school where the kids are allowed to go and hang out in his apartment and you're just like, okay. You you movie asked me to forgive a lot of this man.
0: And especially with that, uh, you know, your children have touched me and I feel like I've touched them sort of. Oh,
1: yeah. that's a stupid joke. I fucking hate it. Sorry, I'm... I'm... Don't have a filter. But yeah, it's so... It's so stupid. Like, how? It's
0: like the exclamation point on this. None of this is realistic movie.
1: Right. Yes. Yes. Uh. Oh my God. So let's
0: move on to Jack Black. Okay, so so I remember watching an interview where he was talking about how like, doing all these scenes with the electric guitar was difficult for him. So even though he's in Tenacious D, which is a band, um mm-hmm. he is always playing the acoustic guitar and if you want to get even nerdier about that, like he's not the lead guitarist of Tenacious D. Like he's not the one that, you know, shreds. That would be Kyle. Yeah. So in this movie he's expected to like look like to look like he knows how to shred.
1: So Kyle probably helped him.
0: <laughs> probably. But that's why, like, in any scene where he has to, like, shred, like, he's, like, spinning around and stuff because he can't actually, like, make it look like his fingers are, you know.
1: Oh, my God. I never really. I never. I didn't register that.
0: (laughs) So, like, when they're working on the School of Rock song for the end of the movie, um, during the practice, he goes, "Okay, and I'm going to throw in, like, a, a guitar solo here. And then he does it with his mouth.
1: Yes. He does a lot of shredding vocally, you know, the, the, um, creating just the, you know, the noise of it, not actually like playing.
0: Right. So at the end of the end of the movie, when he does have to play that solo during the big performance, like kind of the camera work is not focused on like where his hands are.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, um, piano like like if you ever watch a movie where there's like an upright piano they always film from the back so this way you just see the actor's hand move uh, body moving but they're not really playing it right
0: so you know they kind of had to work around that because you know jack is kind of more of a strummer and not a shredder Mm -hmm. so i think there's only one time where he actually plays like anything that sounds like guitar solo and it's when he's playing
1: um For the band, for the battle of the bands.
0: No, no, it's at the. It's when he's uh, teaching the kids how to play, and so I think it's with the other guitarist Zach, and he's playing. um, What is it? He's playing Cream.
1: Oh yeah. Wait, what song is it? Hold on, I can look it up. I have it.
0: Sunshine of Your Love.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: So first, like he shows Zach how to play that riff, and then once he starts playing it, like. Jack Black does like a little guitar solo thing, but it doesn't sound like what you hear later at the end of the movie where, you know, him and Zach are like trading guitar solos during
1: the Battle of the Bands. Kick some ass. Because that's Jack
0: actually playing a guitar versus Jack, you know, just miming along to this Mooney Suzuki
1: song. This movie, this movie's wild i I just love their performance because you know they have um, they do that thing where they're basing a lot of their costumes off of the uniforms that the school's in, but it's like you know, bedazzled and cool and studded and things like that. And then they had what of the classmates like play with the background, the animation and everything. And so I think all in all with when everything get, comes together, like, they created a great performance. Now, I can't speak for any other future endeavors for this band, because who knows what happened. But that one night.
0: <laughs> yeah, where's No vacancy stage show?
1: Where's their lighting guy? Right? You know, I mean, it's been about 20 years. I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel. Like, so, I mean, I know that they're... Not only was the musical, there was the t v series right that that happened on Nickelodeon for three seasons, three seasons, three seasons, but
0: with no Jack Black,
1: but with no Jack Black no and i i'm I'm reading the main characters and they even oh no. They call him Mr. Fid, not Dewey, because I think they're focusing more on the kids than on him. I haven't. I've never seen this show. I Wikipedia just took me there. I mean, it's probably on Paramount Plus, so we could watch it.
0: <laughs> I just think when they do this with uh, movies that have a lead character that has kind of a like you know this movie was made for Jack Black right and for someone to step in his shoes for a TV show I always feel like they're trying to be Jack they're trying too hard to be Jack Black and not kind of what that character is supposed to be
1: yeah which is unfortunate because like you shouldn't I mean like what was great I did I hate to keep going back to it, but what I did like about the stage version is that um, the actor who played Dewey in that like kind of made it his own. We're like, you know, they're still doing the Jack Blackness of it all, but it's doesn't it. When I saw it, it didn't feel like they were imitating. It felt like, you know, they were doing the things that Jack Black does, but like, um made it seem a little more natural to their the, their physicality and body and everything
0: yeah I mean and then, then that's how it should be.
1: I'm looking at the school of rock poster for the t v series, and it there's definitely an emphasis on the kids, and in the background you could see the Dewey character, you know the the teacher, right? Yeah.
0: Which is fine. So, yeah. I mean, it was it was three seasons, and it wasn't made for us.
1: No, no, it lasted from uh, twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen. So it's done. It's it it it, it died.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for the movie, they hired a musical consultant by the name of Jim O'Rourke to help these child prodigy musicians play these rock songs. So Jim O'Rourke is like a pretty well-known like indie producer. Uh, he makes his own music. He was in Sonic Youth for a little while. I' um, also produced like the likes of Superchunk and I, I, he worked with wilco. um he Produced Joanna Newsom, who is this harpist, singer, songwriter, who is married to Andy Sandberg.
1: That's how I know her name. I was like, I know this name. That's probably it.
0: So they hired this super producer to come in and make sure that the kids were had their hands on the right. I mean, they all the kids that they hired like knew how to play the instruments, but you know, I guess it was to help them, you know, get the. Timing, get in, the get in the groove of playing rock music versus, you know, classical or jazz or whatever they were previously trained on.
1: Do you think he may have also had a hand in helping Jack Black learn how to shred on an electric guitar?
0: Hard to say, because...
1: We're podcasting, let's speculate!
0: <laughs> um, I think I read that it was for the kids, but... And I don't think they would ever want to admit, like, yeah, and he also helped Jack play electric guitar versus acoustic guitar.
1: I mean, if he's, if he's there and Jack had a question, I'm pretty sure he probably was like, yeah, this is how you do it. But I don't know if maybe if, like, he actually, like, had lessons with Jack or if, you know, maybe one day on set he was just like, it would be better if you do it this way, you know? Yeah. Probably. Again, we're talking about a movie from 20 years ago, so who knows what actually happened.
0: Sure, why not? I mean, it's Jim O'Rourke. Why wouldn't you want him to give you some pointers?
1: Right, and I'm pretty sure Jack Black knows the name Jim O'Rourke, so probably would have, like, respected anything, considering Jack Black. Like, D like and his acting career are kind of parallel, right? Yeah. Because he, because he was in high... F- Was High Fidelity his first movie? Or was he in something before... He was in something before that. I can't remember what.
0: Well, I I know he did stuff for, like, Mr. Show, the sketch show. Yeah. And, like, Tenacious D kind of spun out of that. I think High Fidelity was, like, his breakout role. And then School of Rock is, like, his first lead. We're gonna make Jack a star role.
1: We're gonna make it... Yeah. And then... Now he's... (laughs) in Jumanji movies.
0: <laughs> I have a theory about that. And I think it's because it's I mean they they do well for one.
1: It's money, yes. Yes.
0: But I think um I think he's got kids, and I think so he's making movies I think that his kids can watch.
1: Ah Got it. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Cause you know, right. even like a movie like High Fidelity, like I don't know if he wants to show his kids a movie where he's just a complete asshole for like 95 minutes.
1: Yeah. And maybe this movie school of rock, he's probably just not yet ready to show them.
0: I don't know how old they are. Like, so maybe now, like, but
1: I feel like though, this is, this is a character you don't want to show if you have a, a, a young child. Cause then you're just like, well, daddy, why are you acting so bad? You know? Right. Right. Why did you do a bad thing, Daddy?
0: Why are you <laughs> lying a lot in this movie?
1: <laughs> but that shredding, Dad. <laughs> awesome. You don't
0: play guitar like that. <laughs> Not at <home>, all. At
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. Yes. I got you to speculate. Hooray. <laughs> Mission accomplished.
0: Um, so we know that uh, Jack is BFS with Dave Grohl. Yes. So, you know, Jack and Kyle have been in two Foo Fighters videos.
1: Learn to Fly and I don't know the other one. The other
0: one's low. I think only Jack's in low.
1: But Dave Grohl was in um, their video playing the devil, right? That was him? Yes. The um tribute. The Tenacious D song, Tribute. I do believe so.
0: Yeah, so Dave Grohl's the demon in tribute. I think he's also the devil in Pick of Destiny. Probably. And Dave Grohl plays drums on the Tenacious D album, or at least the first one.
1: Of course he does. <laughs>
0: Uh, I have the Tenacious D DVD where it's like the the HBO show they did. And it has some bonus stuff. And one of them is they were the musical guest on the Mad TV sketch show. And so they oh, yeah. played tribute and Dave Grohl's playing
1: drums. Of course. God, that man is amazing.
0: <laughs> so the Foo Fighters uh, did an acoustic tour, I think, f- five years after this movie came out. And one of the band members that they brought in for this acoustic tour is Petra Hayden. She plays violin and does vocals. And she also is now Jack Black's sister-in-law.
1: Oh, interesting. Do you think a Foo Fighters song would have worked in this movie? Like, vibe-wise. Not necessarily like a specific song, but like, you know with how they were going with it
0: no because i think you wanted something like more vintage sounding that's why it's like the who and acdc and cream like they're just too modern for this movie
1: got it i'm just asking because you you were saying that there's such best friends that i was like why didn't jack black at least or why weren't they in a part of this Why did it's cool like
0: rock song
1: why didn't they write the School of Rock? I mean, I guess, like you said, they were going for like a little more vintagey sound. And School of Rock, the song, does have some vintagey moments in it.
0: Yeah, Mooney Suzuki is kind of like a throwback, kind of garagey sort of... Like, it, it fits, you know, and it's also kind of simple, which fits what you want, like, a band of kids to play. Like, they're not going to play Bohemian Rhapsody for this.
1: Oh my God. Could you imagine? Could you imagine these kids playing Bohemian Rhapsody? I mean,
0: I'm sure they're capable, but I think it makes them like less likable. Like they're too good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You needed them to sound like slightly imperfect. Um, Cause I'm glad though, that they wrote original music for this movie. So this way, then we're not comparing it one-to-one to what the original is. Right. Like for both bands, I'm saying, even for No Vacancy, it's all original music. It's not, um, you know, they're not doing covers.
0: Yeah. And calling it their own.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because then you're always just like, well, enter a band name here, did it better. Or, well, you don't sound like the singer. You know, they they were like, no, we're going to make it sound like it's part of 80s bands, maybe late 70s, like rock music, but with a early 2000s technology and obviously the actors' voices,
0: right? And I mean, Jack does a great job on that song.
1: I mean, I love his singing voice. No, like from here, Tenacious D, anything else that he does, he. He has he has a he has a good rock voice, so I mean, yeah, this movie i I don't know if this movie was written specifically for him, but like obviously they added um they made it they made like his isms work for this movie.
0: I have an answer for you, so yes, it was written for him, oh, fun. <laughs> So, screenwriter Mike White worked with Jack previously on the OC. Is it? Yeah, the movie Orange County, not OC. Movie Orange County with Colin Hanks.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, he was in that movie.
0: Fuck. Another Dave Grohl tie in. So, the Foo Fighters actually made a song for that movie. And at the (laughs) beginning of that video, Dave Grohl is like pretending to audition for. Some play or something, and he's like, "I'm gonna read Jack's part." So he, in the beginning of the video, before the music starts, Dave Grohl is impersonating Jack Black.
1: Oh my god, that's amazing!
0: And then I think the video is a play on Fame.
1: The the video it's a uh, Foo
0: Fighter song called "The One." Oh, okay. The music video is a play on the movie Fame.
1: Stop it! How have I? I don't think I've ever seen that music video. I need to now.
0: You should. That's good. It's the same guy who directed uh, the "Learn to Fly" video.
1: I do like fame. Oh, well, maybe we should do that oh. podcast. I'm I'm looking. He was Jack Black had a career had a a decent career before even before High Fidelity. Like he was in, he had I. The He had a role in Demolition Man. He had a role in The Never Ending Story 3. He was in Waterworld, mm-hmm. The Cable Guy. He was in Mars Attacks. That's right. But everyone was in that damn movie. So, like... Um, his earliest work is a TV show from 1984. He was in one episode of the show The Fall Guy don't know it, but that's his earliest credit. How old was and he so, in
0: 1984?
1: Let's see. Let's do some math. Uh, he was in his teens. He was 15?
0: Oh. I had no idea.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. The fact that he had, <laughs> he had all this work before, and then 2003 rolls around and he's the lead in a movie that, you know, set his career from then on out. That's amazing.
0: Good for him. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a grind 20 years.
1: Yep. Yep. There's still people who are like, um, not the lead in a movie and they were like, you should be one. So
0: he made the most of his opportunity. He
1: did so much. So I feel like I read that like there was a swear jar or something on set because Jack Black like had to behave. I might be confusing this with other movies with kids where there's an adult who uh, does not censor themselves.
0: <laughs> it sounds about but, right. Cause so, so it did happen in a, well, not a swear jar, but I know that, Joe Pesci had the same problem in Home Alone.
1: That's it. That's it. I might be confusing it with that, but like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something for this movie because, you know, you're dealing with kids and apparently we need to censor words.
0: And you're Jack Black from Tenacious D. And
1: you're Jack Black from Tenacious D. And Sarah Silverman. Although she never really had a scene with the kids, but like, still, she probably had to say some, like censor herself. (laughs)
0: She's so miscast in this movie,
1: yep, yep. They definitely were just like, "Hey, you 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 need a job, right?
0: Hi, <laughs> oh, Rick. Hey, can you just not be funny in this movie?
1: Play this character that everyone's going to hate. Good luck.
0: Don't My make God. jokes.
1: Don't make jokes. You're going to be the butt of the jokes, so don't make any jokes,
0: especially the yeah, jokes I'm... that you usually make.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You're not allowed. Not allowed to make those jokes. I think I'm actually liking this movie now more that we're more since we're talking about it. No,
0: <laughs> well, there's a lot, or at
1: least, a, or at least appreciate it more. I mean. Like I said, I probably haven't seen it prior to us like assigning ourselves to watch it for like 10 years, 15 years maybe.
0: Yeah, probably about the same for me.
1: I mean, that one scene where they do the the touching joke, I was like, we could live without this. But like everything else was fine.
0: Yeah. And I think the way it treats the kids is really the best part of the movie. Like the kids while they like make fun of each other and they feel like they're kids, like they never bring up like race. They're never bringing up like, like body types. Like if they he do, they like... bring it up to him, but they're not like going at each other with that stuff. Right. Like,
1: cause, cause then there's Tamika where she's the one that brings up the body type to Jack Black's character, but also he assigns her to listen to, aretha franklin just because they have a similar voice and they're i feel like the subtext is also you both are going to you both are strong black women right you know it's not but like it's not said and like even lawrence who is the uh keyboardist like is a cool asian kid and like they don't have those those stereotypes or anything that you would see on probably any other movie or TV program about, you know, these kids.
0: Yeah, the closest that
1: are
0: the closest to that is he goes, I've got a top secret project, and then he goes, Science project?
1: Yeah, yeah but like they're kid they're kids in this like prestigious prep school. So obviously they're going to think of, you know, a subject when you're like, we got this project.
0: Right, but it you're them, like, like, oh, oh yeah, because you're the Asian kid.
1: Right. Yes. It like anyone, I feel like, could have said that line, and it would have fit perfectly.
0: Yeah, because there's the kid that designs the costumes. I think Jack Black's uh, nickname for him is Fancy Pants.
1: Yes, it is, and his uh, Billy, Billy's after my own heart. L- little gay boy, love him.
0: Right, but they never. <laughs> They never bring that up.
1: yeah, but it's like heavily inferred throughout, so it's not it's not said, but like the kid has has a little bit of a lisp, he um has some sassy moments too, but like no one ever is just like Billy's gay right, which is which is pretty progressive, considering two thousand three,
0: yeah, and that's why I think the movie is like really good to the kids.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you know, they treat, uh, Jack black doesn't treat them like kids really. There are moments that he does and that's because like they're doing the the whole teacher student dynamic. But like, I mean, he comes up, he tricks them via a school project, but then he's like talking to them as if they are adults. Right. You know, he's not, he's not like, Hey kids this is, this is a guitar Ding-a-li- like
0: <laughs> Well, it's also like, I need this from you guys.
1: Yeah. You he's guys just like this. Yeah. And then, and then like the best, a best example of this is like, um, when they are late for the audition and he's just like, act sick. And they're all just like, cool, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is that one moment where I want to, is it, is it Freddie? I think it is Freddie, the, uh, the drummer drummer is like playing cards with another band. I mean, they, they, they tamed it for (laughs) that scene, but like, that's the only time that Jack Black like plays the adult card. And that's like really the only moment that you, that logically you should.
0: Right. I mean, you shouldn't be getting in any stranger's van
1: right but like also like uh like the i'm yelling at you you're in trouble kind of adult card rather than you know like bro don't do it bye let's go play right
0: (laughs) yeah it's like the one time he takes responsibility
1: yeah uh so good and it's of course at the end of the movie which makes a lot of sense because we went on we went on a journey with him
0: he's growing he's growing right before our
1: eyes He's, he's becoming a human adult. (laughs) I would recommend this movie, you know, even, even if you haven't seen it in a, in a minute, like revisit this movie. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, besides, like I said, that one scene where the, where he's being confronted by the parents and he does the whole, like, I touched them, they touched me, which is supposed to be a joke. I think um still unclear about that but the movie itself is banger as the kids say
0: yeah it's kind of a that line's kind of a shrug but you know they've they've already done all the like important work before they got to that point so it doesn't like tank the movie
1: no 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 it's just like a it's just like a moment where it's like i get it you're adding a joke here for the sake of like breaking the tension but it's dumb. <laughs> and you probably could have done a better joke. Yeah. So.
0: It's a little. Yeah. Like, as, as much as they try to avoid the low hanging fruit, like with the kids, they decide to just, like, all right, we'll do it here.
1: Uh, you have to do it for this one. This one joke. It's like, okay, I'll forgive you for that one joke because the rest of the movie is pretty, cool, pretty good.
0: But then they have the uh, school of rock. Doing ACDC for the credits, which I think is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, um, it's not as great as their song they sing at the um, at the Battle of the Bands, but I mean, I really appreciate it because you got to show off all the kids' talents. Uh, what like you know Tamika wailing or or like you know all the kids who have instruments just like going off. Think of it as the Sorry, encore. I just,
0: it's the movie encore. I just,
1: I just have the picture of um, Lawrence during the performance where he's pointing. Cause that's what Jack Black told him to do. Like point in the audience. He's doing like the, <laughs> he's playing. the little gun he, keyboard. Gun. Yeah. He's, He's he's like it's like a staccato point throughout the audience while his other hand is playing the keys. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and his like super spiky hair,
1: super spiky hair, and the cape
0: and the cape I can't
1: go wrong. I mean, I do have to listen to my Edna mode from The Incredibles and just say no capes, but like in that moment, I'll allow a cape.
0: Well, he's not going to get sucked into a turbine or anything. Who knows?
1: <laughs> you never know with. With these movies.
0: <laughs> well, then that, that's on the uh, AV team or special effects team. No turbines on the stage when Lawrence says escape on.
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Did we hit everything you wanted? I mean, this is your podcast. I don't know. Is there any? Do we do, we do anything else?
0: <laughs> I think we're pretty much uh, pretty much good.
1: Yeah, we got everything. We hit everything.
0: Did I talk about how we've done f- five Randall Poster films? The what? Randall Poster, the soundtrack supervisor. I think we did.
1: I think that's. What is- were the other four? Uh, we did Kids,
0: which was his Ooh. first movie that he did the soundtrack supervision for. Uh, Velvet, Goldmine, which we did mention.
1: You've you've dropped that one a few times. Uh, then, uh, Life
0: Aquatic and uh, Royal Tenen Bombs.
1: Oh, interesting. He didn't do Rushmore. Who did Rushmore? He did Rushmore.
0: We, he did. We Rushmore. just haven't done Rushmore yet.
1: You haven't done. Okay, okay. Sorry. He, he did. He did it, but you guys haven't covered it
0: yeah. yet. Correct. And then you know he's worked with uh, he's worked with Richard Linklater multiple times after this film.
1: Oh, wow. Did he do Boyhood?
0: He did do Boyhood. He did uh, Apollo 10 and a Half, which just came out recently. Interesting. He did Suburbia. Huh. I'm trying to remember if he did um, Everybody Gets Some. I think he did.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
0: Or maybe not. But yeah, he's worked with Linklater a few times. He doesn't do every film like he does with Wes Anderson, but it's kind of weird that he's known as the Wes Anderson guy when he's worked with Richard Linklater multiple times.
1: Hey, when you got a good team, you got to bring them along. Like, doesn't John Williams always do Steven Spielberg for the most part?
0: For the most part. He didn't do Ready Player One I think that was Alan Silvestri, which makes sense since Alan Silvestri is very good at channeling, like, the 80s cuz I'm back.
1: The- yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that movie didn't require the grandiose John Williams score. It needed like a the 8-bit uh game music vibes.
0: Yeah. But yeah, you know, um kind of like John Williams is known for uh Spielberg, Randall Poster who is not actually a composer. He's kind of Tied at the hip with Wes Anderson, but he's actually done a lot for
1: Linklater too. Nice. It's great that they can share him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got quite the prolific IMDB. Um, Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff where, you know, when we started this podcast, I kind of just knew him as the Wes Anderson guy, but like, I was like, oh, he did the Life Plus Ordinary soundtrack. I like that one too.
1: What about the guy that composed for um School of Rock. The movie, I should say. Not
0: Oh Craig Wedren,
1: That's Sir Yeah.
0: Um what about what, what-
1: Like have you done any other movies that he's done?
0: Um uh, well Velvet Gold Mine. Well yes. And then I assume that we will be doing Wet Hot American Summer at some point.
1: It seems like you have to because that's another one that has connections to this movie. So, and the music in that is banger as a kid's say.
0: Absolutely. So John, thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for letting me kind of overtake you for a little bit there, but you know, <laughs> we went back, we got back. Yeah. We brought, we brought <laughs> it back around. Bought it Back around.
0: So when can people download new episodes of life's but a song?
1: So every Mondays and Thursdays are episodes of life's, but a song Um, where this is June, right? Yes. So we just, I just did a whole bunch of like people coming back on for their second episode as a guest. So I try to do, I try, I try to have fun and make theme things happening. I don't know if anyone else picks up on that, but (laughs) Uh. It, yeah, we have a great time. And then uh, Movie Deja Vu comes out every Tuesdays, available wherever you're listening to this podcast. Both of them are available, I should say. And you can check out um, Life's But A Song at But a Song Pod everywhere. And Movie Deja Vu is at Movie Deja Vu Pod on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. We're Movie Deja Vu just straight up with no pod. Cool. We'll
0: so. check them out yeah thank you once again
1: yeah we're having fun there
0: <laughs> um if you enjoyed this podcast rate review subscribe if you enjoy john's podcast you should do the same
1: oh yeah do that that whole stuff that i n- never say to do <laughs> you should do it
0: but uh thanks once again but, john.
1: but also but also live your life i shouldn't tell you what to do
0: <laughs> once again thank you john and we'll have to do this again
1: yes yes and i'll have to have you know all three of you on my podcast at some point
0: easier said than done
1: (laughs) very true very very true uh the producer life i know
0: all right have a good night john
1: good night everyone thanks for joining us this week on soundtrack your life make sure to visit our website soundtrackyourlife.net or you can subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts or spotify While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too.